perception. Perception is reality. Reality. Perception is reality. Reality. Some talk shows think all of their opinions are right. This one, this one knows they are. This is Perception is Reality. Christopher H. Bilbrey is a no-nonsense, well, maybe a little bit of nonsense, political activist, local government watchdog, and all-around good Hoosier and God-fearing American citizen. Is this guy for real? Holding lawmakers accountable and educating citizens on the importance of participating in their local government with a dab of national and world politics and a little pop culture and maybe some real-life common sense. This, this is, is Perception is Reality. And this is Christopher H. Bilbrey. Hello, folks, and welcome to this bonus episode of the podcast. I am your host, Christopher H. Bilbrey. It's great to be speaking with you. Thank you for giving me a little bit of your time. In this episode, we're going to be taking a look at a debate between two candidates that I think is an absolutely amazing debate. And it's something that we all need to be looking at, whether we are folks out here that are looking to support candidates that are running for office, if we're people that are going to be voting for specific candidates, or if you're the candidate running for office, for local office, state office, federal office, this is how you need to be going into a debate. So we're going to be looking at the debate between State Representative J.D. Prescott and his challenger, Brittany Clower. They're both Republicans, and so this is looking at two Republican candidates in this current primary that we are currently in. And this is extremely important if you are listening to this and you live and vote in District 33, District 33 in the state of Indiana is made up of the full counties of Randolph County and Blackford County. And then it's made up of sections of county from Jay County, Delaware County, and Henry County. So if you live in that area, and I will put a link to the map in the description of this episode, I will also put a link to the video of the full debate with no commentary in it if you want to see it and hear it again in that form, also in the description. And before we get started, it's important for everyone to know, if you've been listening to this for a while, you're aware that I am completely in the bag for Brittany Clower. I support Brittany, I want Brittany to win, and I think that she's the better candidate. I feel hands down that she needs to be the state representative after this election. But to be fair, I also really am familiar with J.D. Prescott because, as most of you know if you've been listening, I have at times in the past worked with and for J.D. to get him elected actual to, actually to this seat. So... Uh, you know, I know both of these candidates very well, and this is just a really good look at what somebody that is prepared can do going into a debate and what somebody that I, I don't know if it's just he doesn't want to be representative anymore. He feels that he doesn't have to talk to us 
He feels like it doesn't matter that he's got this in the bag. I think it's probably that. And this kind of falls in the whole series that I've been uh, producing here lately where I've been talking about these candidates that mostly seem to live on the Republican side of things. Uh, and it, it's it's this whole mentality that they don't have to actually campaign to us. All they need is their base, the establishment, and they need their donors, and that's how they're going to get in. They don't actually have to be conservative. They don't have to have Republican beliefs. They don't have to act once in office in any way that would align them with Republican beliefs that I hold and that I, that I believe in. They can do whatever they want because when it comes time for them to be reelected or elected to another office someplace else, that all they have to do is talk to their base, talk to the establishment, and they're going to be fine. And I think that there's going to be a lot of cam- campaigns uh, of a lot of, of incumbent candidates that are going to be sadly mistaken come election time because I, I think that people are waking up and finding out that they don't like what's going on, they're not happy with the status quo, and they're making some serious changes. And I think this is one of those races where a serious change is going to come. And it needs to. It really, really, really needs to, because J.D. is not what he has let on to be. J.D. is not who he has claimed claimed to be, and it's time for him to leave the seat of the state representative of District 33, and it's time to put someone else in that seat. So we're going to be looking at this debate. It's a great example of what someone looks like when they are prepared and when they really want to listen to the constituents, when they really want to listen to the citizens, and when they are prepared to answer and to to have a conversation with those voters and the, the citizens of the district. Because as we've talked about, communication is more than just talking or more than just listening. You have to be able to balance both of those things and do both of those well in order to be uh, someone who is communicating with a purpose, and, and that's what that's what we need when when we're talking about an elected office holder, a public servant being a good communicator, someone that can listen and communicate, can, can talk back with us once they know what the issues are. So we're going to listen to this debate. It took place between State Representative J.D. Prescott and the challenger Brittany Clower on Monday, March 28th. But it's just a great example of what someone can do when they're prepared. So this is, is really good and it will be crucial for those listeners that live in District 33. However, it don't just turn this off or tune this out if you don't live in the district because you're going to hear a lot of great information in this bonus episode that can pertain to you. Number one, if you don't live in the district but you do live in Indiana, this is going to be very important because JD is a state representative and has been making decisions for you. 
And if Brittany wins, she'll be in that position. And so she or JD will be working with whoever your representatives and whoever the state senators are. And so it's good for you to get an understanding of how these people are. So that's important. But also, you can hear what these candidates are doing that are good and hear what they're doing that is bad. And then you can look at your candidates and say, hey, do I have anybody acting like JD? Okay, I, I want to know that. Or do I have anybody out here that's prepared and doing what Brittany's doing? Okay, good. I, you know, So it can give you an idea in your neck of the woods who you might want to support. And the same goes if you're outside of Indiana. If you're in Nevada or New Mexico or Texas or, or Kentucky, you know, basically I know that things are different over different state lines and laws are different, but at the very basic, basic building block, being human, you can tell what makes somebody a, a good, a good prepared communicator, someone who is willing to do what they need to do for the people and someone who's out for themselves. And so this is very, very telling, even for people outside of District 33. And then on the flip side, there are a lot of candidates and officials that listen to this program. So for you people that are the candidates that are out here currently running or that are current office holders, Listen to this as well, because you can kind of check down, am I doing what Brittany's doing? Am I doing what JD's doing? And then you can make those choices in your life to, you know, keep doing the same thing or to do better. So definitely give this a listen. It's very, very telling, and we're going to listen to this, and at various times I'm going to interject and I'm going to break in and give you my thoughts and my commentary. The debate is just right at 31 minutes long, so this isn't going to be long, long, long and drawn out, but we're going to just listen to this. I'm going to give you some commentary, and then you'll be able to use this uh, in in your life, whichever way uh, you, you, you use it. And then specifically, obviously, and I'm talking directly to you right now, the citizens and those that vote in District 33, you need to listen to this because it's very, very important. And then, of course, as always, I'm going to ask that you help spread the word, share the show with everyone you know, tell your family and friends they need to be giving the podcast a try. Perception is Reality can be found anywhere and everywhere that podcasts can be heard. We are literally everywhere. All you have to do is search for us by name. Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey. We should pull up on literally every podcast hosting site and podcast player. Or you can always use the trusty old standby, the home link perception.fireside.fm. Again, that is perception.fireside.fm. We are always there. All of our back catalog, all of the new episodes, and other information about the podcast. And then last, but certainly not least, don't forget to remind folks and yourself to check out the Live at 935 live video commentary episodes that I put out every night, five nights a week, Sunday through Thursday, 
on Facebook. These are very interesting. I know lots of people enjoy the live video quite a bit. There, I interact with you all, and we talk about other things outside of what we talk about here. It's very interesting, and it's a intimate setting, and people like to engage, so definitely, definitely be checking that out. That's Christopher H. Bilbury on Facebook, or you can find it by going to facebook.com forward slash Bilbury318, which is B-I-L-B-R-E-Y 318. Don't forget to check us out there. All right, before we get underway, we do need to take a quick break to get that out of the way. And then when we get back, we'll be cracking on with one of the most interesting debates, one of the best debates that I have heard in a very long while. So you're listening to this bonus episode of Perception is Reality. We're going to take a quick break. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Perception Perception is is reality. Reality. Ladies and gentlemen, the May 3rd, 2022 primary election is quickly approaching us. And if you're looking to support and vote for a candidate that you can trust, a constitutionally conservative, common sense driven candidate, then you need to throw your support behind Brittany Bridges Cloer. That's right. Brittany Bridges Cloer is your candidate for the state house. She has my full endorsement. She's a friend of the podcast and I'm asking you to support and vote for Brittany Bridges Clore for your next state representative of District 33. Authorized by the Brittany Clore for Education and Agriculture Committee. All right, folks, we are back. Perception is reality. This is a bonus episode where we are going to be taking a look at the debate between J.D. Prescott, which is the current state representative incumbent for District 33, and his challenger, Brittany Clower. They are both Republicans vying for the seat in this 2022 primary election. This debate was put on by the Jay County Freedom Coalition. They are a group in Jay County, Indiana that tries to deal with liberty and freedom-minded issues and candidates, so I'm very thankful that they put this debate on. This debate was recorded on Monday, March 28th, 2022, and like I said at the beginning of the episode, I will put a link in the description of this episode if you want to listen to it without my commentary and be able to view it as well. So that will be there, and I want to say before we get started, basically how this debate will operate is both candidates will be given a chance to give an intro. It starts out with Brittany, then JD goes, and the reason that was picked was before the debate started. They had a coin toss, and Brittany just won the coin toss. So she starts first, then JD. Then you will hear the moderator ask a question, and he will tell which candidate gets to go first. That candidate will go. Then the next candidate gets to go, and then the candidate that went first gets a chance to give a rebuttal. And so we will talk more about that as we get into this. I'm going to go ahead and start the debate now, and we will 
be kicking directly into Brittany Clower starting her introduction because she won the, the coin toss and she went first. So, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, here is the debate. Good evening, everyone. I am so happy to be here at the Jay County Fair. It is going to be the 150th Jay County Fair this year, so make sure you come on out. I would like to start off by thanking the Jay County Freedom Coalition for hosting this event, Dr. Garkey for putting all the work into setting this up, and my opponent for agreeing to participate. Some of you may know me as Brittany Clower, Brittany Bridges, Bridges, BK, BK1, or even that crazy plant lady out of the high school. That's me. For those of you who do not know me, I'm a fifth generation to grow up on my family's small farm in Henry County, Indiana. So I was thrilled when I saw Henry County was actually redistricted into District 33. So I'm super excited for that. After graduating high school, I worked two part-time jobs to put myself through college. I went to Purdue University where I majored in agriculture education. I graduated from Purdue in 2008, right in the heart of the recession. So this uh, $4 gasoline is starting to be a, a flashback to me in the, the starting of my adult life. I knew I wanted to be close to home, but I also wanted to live my dream as an agricultural educator and FFA advisor. So luckily a position opened up at Jay County High School, and I was the third ag teacher that was there. I taught the ag classes, um, FFA advisor for 12 years, and I also served as the FFA community service coordinator. And that is when I fell in love with this county and this district. I was a transplant to Jay County, but I quickly learned to love this community. There's a strong sense of community that we have here, and many of you know if you've ever broken down on the side of the road that everybody who drives past will actually stop and make sure that you're okay. So I'm, I'm excited to live in a community uh, like that. In my first years in this community, I found support from my coworkers, my friends from the Portland Lions Club, and also my golfing buddies. So they made me right at home here, and I'm super blessed to have them all. I met my husband, Brandon Clower. He's the handsome one back there in the Purdue hat, and also wearing my shirt, uh, just a couple years after I moved to Jay County. And we've been happily married for seven years, and he is one of my biggest supporters. I was encouraged by several of my work friends to go into school administration so I could actually support uh, teachers and students on another level, and he supported me through that. Uh, I went back in 2011 and got my master's degree in education administration from Purdue University. I knew my true passion was career and technical education, so with a scholarship I returned to Purdue University and graduated with my career and technical education director's license in 2021. So I currently serve as a CTE director where I develop um, career and technical programs for nine different schools in the area that focuses on providing our youth with high demand skills that are required for our workforce. I'm running to be your District 33 state representative because I want to continue serving our communities and act as a true representation of the people. I am a common sense, constitutional, conservative Republican and will fight for your values for our community. I have great respect for our Constitution of the United States and the freedoms that it provides. I am pro-Second Amendment and pro-life and for smaller government and lower taxes to keep more of your hard-earned money. I want to ensure that our, free, uh, our first responders and our active military and our veterans feel supported and valued. I want to put, I want to be fully transparent and give you all the opportunities to voice your concerns to me. 
so that I can take them into consideration when I vote on legislation or draft legislation. I know that calling a legislator can feel intimidating to some, so I plan on providing different ways of communication with me, whether that's phone call, a text message, a message through social media, Facebook, um, or even public town halls or roundtables to provide that extra discussion. As we move forward with this debate, I would like you all to keep in mind that I am not personally attacking my opponent. These are factual statements on various pieces of legislation that he has pushed and is his voting record. I have brought many printouts, right over here, and will be happy to provide those as proof for the record. <clears throat> I have heard a few times that my opponent is a really nice guy, but as a constituent of this district, I am personally not voting for a nice person. I am voting for somebody who can represent our district and our needs of our community. And I ask that every constituent do the same. 30 seconds. As your District 33 representative, I want to prioritize lowering taxes, keeping government small, protecting life, and ensuring medical liberties, and making sure your voices are heard at the State House. Thank you. One thing I want to say before we hear from JD is you'll notice that Brittany used the entirety of her allotted time. The candidates were told ahead of time that they had five minutes each for their opening statements. And that's a lot of time. At most of these candidate events, the candidates at most are given three minutes, which is a pretty decent amount of time. But I have been to events where they've given the candidates two minutes or a minute and a half. And honestly, that's pretty crazy because as someone who really wants to hear what these people have to say, you can't hear anything meaningful in 90 seconds. I mean, that's that's really insane. So the fact that these people are given a minute and a half or, or two minutes is, is really crazy. Three minutes kind of is all right. You can kind of get to the point. But five minutes is a really good period of time where they can talk about themselves, give a little bit of background, and then talk about what their priorities are and why they think that you should vote for them. And I really like that she used all five minutes of that. I think she was at four minutes and 59 seconds. So we'll find out how much time her opponent, J.D. Prescott, uses. Let's listen to J.D. now. Opening statement, J.D. Good evening, everyone. Thank you for coming out. So I'm J.D. Prescott, your state representative for House District 33. So I currently serve all of Randolph, Jay, and a third of Delaware counties, but we did just go through redistricting. So I am seeking re-election in the new House District 33, which is all of Randolph, Blackford, and portions of Jay, Delaware, and Henry counties. Uh, just a little bit about myself. I grew up on the family farm. Uh, my family farm's a little over 3,000 acres. I still am involved and help out and work on the family farm uh, during harvest and planting seasons. I'm also a realtor with Remax Evolve. Uh, this is my fourth year in the General Assembly, so just finishing out my second term. I'm married to my wonderful wife, Brooke, who is here with me tonight. Uh, and we have two young boys, Grayson and Graham. Uh, with that being said, I do uh, seek to seek re-election for the simple fact that I want to continue to work on the key principles that I've been focused on since I've first been elected to the General Assembly, continue to build a better future for both our kids and the next generation uh, in total. Uh, I will continue to work on Christian conservative values, I, I, uh, Christian conservative Republican values, limited government principles, personal responsibility. 
And I also want to make sure that we are investing in key, our key areas of in infrastructure, uh, such as rural broadband, roads, infrastructure, other areas, as well as making sure our children are, are well taken care of within both the public schools and all schools throughout. I am pro-education on every step of the way, making sure that we are uh, really an all-of-the-above strategy. I think you've all heard the all-of-the-above strategy with energy. Well, I'm an all-of-the-above strategy with edu education. Uh, I believe that parents are best suited to decide what education is best for their children, and I will and I will support those parents, as well as making sure that we keep critical race theory, other divisive concept out of our classroom. I will continue to focus on those areas as well. 100% pro-life, uh, uh, pro-Second Amendment, uh, Christian conservative, and will continue to work to uh, serve all of you to the best of my ability, and I would appreciate your vote this May. Okay, and straight away, we noticed that J.D. only uses two of the five minutes that he was allotted to talk to the constituents. And during that two minutes, he did not seem comfortable. He stumbled a couple times, and he seems nervous. If you watch the video, he just doesn't come off very well. And J.D.'s not new to this. This is now the third election that he is running in, that he has ran in. He has won two other elections. He has been a public speaker now for four years. This is something that should be pretty second nature to J.D., and I have been with him in other candidate events in the past where he has done a little bit better than this. He's never been the best public speaker ever, I will admit that, but what we see from JD here, in my opinion, is someone who is nervous because he is aware that he's not doing very well. He's aware that people are upset with him and he is not really in control of this. He didn't want this to be videotaped. He didn't want anyone to live stream this. He was extremely upset that I was there live streaming it. He has led all of his other town halls and candidate events so far this year in situations where he's been able to control the room. He's been able to allow how many people could be there, who could be there, and really has went out of his way to make sure that he he could control the message. In this situation, he can't control this message. And matter of fact, he needed to be babied all the way through this process to even get him to show up. They had been working on him since like January for him to even agree to do this. And it just seems so crazy to me. It's like, wait a minute, you're running for office. You should be wanting to get in front of anybody and everybody that you can to sell what your message is. And this is what I've done. This is who I am. I'm proud of what I've been doing. And JD doesn't seem proud of his record. And he doesn't have a record he should be proud of. He doesn't seem very proud of the message that he has going forward, and he shouldn't be proud of that message. So it's funny to see that he has really been hit in the area of communication and being open and transparent. And then again, he's given five minutes and he's like, yeah, I only need two minutes. So, okay, let's go on into the actual question and answer portion of the debate. I think the first question will start out with JD, so we'll go there now. Inflation has skyrocketed in the last year. This has cost Hoosiers 
and increased cost of goods and has stolen retirement funds from all the hardworking citizens of this state and county. We all know it starts with the feds, but how do you plan on fighting to keep our state and local taxes under control while appropriating our tax dollars in a fiscally responsible way? Well, based on uh, our state budgets, we've had honest balanced budgets and we'll continue to have those uh, in the future. And with those balanced budgets, we've been responsible with your hard earned tax dollars and we will continue to do so. But uh, with that responsibility also comes a large surplus. So since we are setting on a large surplus, every taxpayer is gonna be receiving 125, uh, roughly $125 tax refund this year. Uh, on their, on their taxes. And we did also just cut uh, our state income tax from 3.23% to 2.9%. Uh, so I will make sure that we are keeping our budget um, honest, responsible, keeping uh, not having wasteful spending. And when we can't, but at the same time, investing in those key areas of infrastructure um, and, uh, and then getting your tax dollars back into your hands uh, via tax cuts. It's great what he's saying. It's like he wants a cookie for doing what they're supposed to be doing. Keep in mind, Indiana has a super, super, super majority of Republicans. We have a Republican governor. We have a Republican Senate and a Republican House. And not just a little bit. We have massive amounts of Republicans in the Senate, the House, and, of course, the Republican governor. They should be able to do everything and anything they want to do, anything that benefits Hoosiers, specifically the Hoosiers that push for conservative issues with the fiscal situation, with the budget and with everything that we've got going on in the state of Indiana with taxes and so on and so forth. And so for J.D. to stand up there and answer this question like he wants a cookie because they're being able to do something that they should have absolutely no trouble doing is crazy. The other aspect of this is they're not doing a good job at it. And he didn't seem confident. You could hear him falter and kind of stumble because it was like he, he just really didn't know what to say because he's not got answers that people want to hear. And you can hear it in his voice. He... He's not prepared. That's one thing that people who were in attendance said, and I'm going to be interested to see if you feel the same way. JD comes off as unprepared. He comes off as cocky. He comes off as arrogant, and he just came off in a really bad way. Whereas when you hear Brittany, she seems polite. You can hear that she's smiling while speaking. She is very much prepared. J JD came up to the podium wearing a suit and with his hands in his pockets. I hate when someone's got their hands in their pockets. That comes from being a police officer and a car salesman. Uh, I have to tell that story someday. But um, he, he came up there with no pad of paper, with no no documents, and it just seemed like he was ready to rock and roll. Brittany came up to the podium with documentation, with handouts that she could give 
give the audience so they could follow along with where she was. Uh, if, if they wanted to, she had information for people, and it seems like she put in time and effort going into this, and JD was just like popping in to say a couple things to people that he really didn't care about, and you can tell. So I'm interested to see if it comes off that way when you guys hear this as well, and you can hear it almost instantly when the, the difference when you hear Brittany give her answer to that same question. It's it's amazing to hear the difference between JD and Brittany. Let's listen to her now. So Indiana does have a $5 billion surplus and we're getting $125 refund from the state. I do want to talk about some of the tax rates that we currently this is do big. have. So Indiana is the third highest gas tax in the United States at 56.35 cents per gallon. Tell me about it. We're the fourth highest in diesel and second highest in sales tax. We are being taxed an astonishing rates, which has allowed Indiana to grow this huge surplus. So it's not about putting money back into the Hoosiers' pockets, but about not taking it to begin with. Oh! <laughs> so my opponent's voting record and rationale on some of the taxes is not all that great. I only have two minutes, so I'm going to go through a couple of these really quick. Um, but some of the conservative websites, you will be able to find some of these on where they have um, discussed his voting record. So in House Bill 1002 Amendment 12 to reduce the sales tax to 6.5%, and House Bill, um, in the same House Bill Amendment 2 to make diapers and over-the-counter drugs and uh, female products uh, sales tax exempt, he voted against that. He also voted against um, furthering amendments to House Bill 1002 that would allow parents to um, parents spending on their students' public schools to deduct that education expenses on tax returns. Um, voted against increasing renter's deduction, um, the earned income credits eligibility for the state, um, increased personal tax exemptions from, uh, voted against that from 1,000 to 2,000, and uh, voted against the, the child care deduction. So as we're looking at this deduction, that was the monumental one. 20 seconds. 20 seconds, okay. As we're looking at that monumental tax cut, um, we do need to look at that it's over seven years. So this year it's going to impact you by about $40. Um, so I don't know how much that's going to help you at the gas uh, pump right now, but uh, hopefully it will a little bit. Okay, so she's kind of a little playfully snarky there when she says, you know, I don't know how much that's going to help you at the gas pump, but hopefully it does a little bit. And she has a right to be snarky. We all do. It's hitting us all hard. And JD's setting up here saying, hey, look at us. We have a big surplus. You know, we're going to be giving you back $125, you know, and it's, it's just kind of laughable. And the other thing you notice right away is, uh-oh, she's brought the big guns. She's actually got bills that JD has voted on, and she's bringing those bills out to the forefront. She's naming them. She has them with her. If the audience wants to read through them, wants to take a copy home, I got to say, this is never a good way for a debate to start out if you're the incumbent. If you're not going to talk about your record in that way, 
that means you probably don't want your opponent to be talking about it. If JD was proud of his record, JD would be bringing forth the bills that he voted on, and he would be saying, look at this and look at that. Look what I did here. I authored this. I co-authored this. I voted on this bill, that bill, and we did this for you. But he's not doing that. He's talking in just very general terms. But now Brittany comes with the big heat and she's able to say he's not doing anything that's helping Hoosiers specifically helping the Hoosiers in his district and I'm telling you ladies and gentlemen this is how to defeat your opponent in a debate 101 she is absolutely doing a fantastic job here and I know that I'm biased but remove that bias. You may not be biased. Just listen to what's happening. It's not good for JD. Now, the other point I want to make is the rebuttal is getting ready to come up. So JD went first, then Brittany went, and JD's going to be offered a rebuttal. Listen to what he does here. Thank you. Thank you. JD, rebuttal. You good? The moderator asked him if he wanted to give a rebuttal, and he said no. What? What in the world? I just don't understand. He should have got up and said, wait a minute, she's wrong about this, or she's wrong about that. But he didn't. You know why? Because he couldn't. There was nothing for him to say. I don't know really a time that I've heard a candidate that wants to get in front of people not want to take time to speak to the audience in the rebuttal, even if it's really not about what the person said. They always want to speak and get other points in, and they could dance around that, but he couldn't because there was literally nothing he could say. He looked bad. The supermajority of Republicans currently look bad, and this is why we need Brittany Cloer in this seat and not J.D. Prescott. And we need a lot of other incumbent state representatives and state senators to lose in this election and the challengers to win because we have this going on everywhere. And it just so happens in District 33 that Brittany Cloer is the challenger and she does need to win because she is on top of it. J.D. had nowhere to go and getting up to say anything would have not been good for him. So he didn't take that time, and I I don't know. He just really he didn't have anything that he could add that would have been any value. So that's something that you will notice that he does throughout this debate. Yet when Brittany is given a chance to rebut, she does, I think, all but once. So let's monitor that through the rest of the debate. Okay, on to the next question. Last year, we saw another state, Texas, pass the Texas Heartbeat Act. One step closer to a pro-life agenda. Do you agree or disagree with such an act for Indiana? And B, how would you go about advocating for or against such a law for Indiana? Thank you. So Indiana has a supermajority. If you don't know what that means, it is a supermajority of Republicans. So I'm not sure Absolutely. why this is still a campaign topic. 
Right. We should be acting on this as okay. Republicans. Okay, I want to talk about this just for a second because it doesn't matter if we're talking about abortion because I know that that is a hotly contested topic or if we're talking about Second Amendment rights issues or issues dealing with the First Amendment or any other business that the Indiana General Assembly would be dealing with. The Indiana General Assembly is made up of state senators, state representatives, and they make up the General Assembly. We have the supermajority, which again means we have a Republican governor, we have a Republican majority Senate, and a Republican majority House. And I don't mean just by a couple in both of those. The Indiana General Assembly is made up of 150 elected officials. That's 100 state representatives and 50 state senators. Out of the 100 state representatives, 71 are Republican and 29 are Democrat. That's a major majority in the House of Representatives. Out of the 50 senators that our state government has, 39 are Republicans and 11 are Democrats. So we have a super, super majority. This is something that has been a major issue for me for a long time. When we have an election cycle and all of the state representatives and those people that want to be state representatives and state senators go out and they talk to the voters, they talk to all of the citizens, and they're putting together their platform. When they say, we want to do this, this, and this, and the Republicans at the state level put out their party platform, we want to focus on this, this, and this. As soon as those folks are elected as soon as they win re-election or whatever goes on and they have the supermajority like we've had for the last several elections they should immediately go into that next session and put forth a bunch of bills that would take care of all of the campaign promises made in that last election. But that's not what happens. These people make campaign promises. They go into session they mess around, they put through hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of different bills. Most of them are ridiculous, and they don't do anything with the majority of them. They all just go nowhere. Then the session is over, and then they go home. Then the next session starts the next year, and they go there. They put forward a bunch of meaningless bills. Some of them are the campaign promises that they ran on. And the session ends and nothing's happened. Well, now it's campaign time again. And they come back to their districts and they say, we did this, this, and this. And they, they don't like to talk about what they did because they didn't do a lot. But then they make a bunch of campaign promises. We need to be reelected because when we go back, we're going to do X, Y, and Z. But then they get reelected and they go back and they don't do X, Y, and Z. So that's what Brittany is saying here. Elect me, because when I am down there, I'm going to team up with the other folks that have common sense and that are truly concerned about our Constitution and doing the right thing. And we're going to get done what we say we're going to get done. And if we can't, then I'm going to come back to you all and I'm going to tell you who the problem people are. And we need to get them out of here. Because when you have... 
a supermajority of whatever party, that party should be able to get their campaign promises taken care of within the two-year cycle, the two-year sessions, the long session and the short session. We shouldn't have this nonsense of promising things just to get reelected to go back down to the Indiana State House for two years doing nothing, doing a bunch of nonsense, and then come back and promise us everything you've been promising us for the last several elections. It's ridiculous. So that's very important. We'll let her continue on. So in a Facebook post by Liberty Defense, the executive director of Hoosiers for Life shared when speaking of the political establishment, and they stated the establishment and other representatives like J.D. Prescott has lied to us about babies. 8,000 preborn babies have been terminated every year because they are not passing legislation to end abortion just to regulate it. It's important to note, they did call out J.D. by name, and Brittany was just reading from a statement made by that organization. It's tough to be called a liar, but when the shoe fits, it, it is what it is. So my opponent did receive a negative uh, response, a failed response on his survey for that, and I am actually at 100%. So with that, he did propose the co-author of the joint resolution number seven, that was this year, and that was to give rights to pre-born children, but did not end abortion. Representative Nicely did put forward legislation that will end abortion, and I have pledged to the Hoosiers for Life, and I am pledging to you all tonight that I will be a co-author, and I will help champion that legislation through the House. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so that's pretty big. She just went on record there, and she has went on record with other organizations stating, when I'm elected, I will do X, Y, and Z. So that's a moment where we're hearing a campaign promise, and we'll have to hold her to that when she's elected and goes down to the state house. The thing with J.D. is he has two other elections 2018 and 2020, where he's made campaign promises, and then he's went to the sessions and not acted on those campaign promises. So here's our chance to hold him accountable. Support and vote for Brittany Clower. Send him back to the private sector. Send her down to the state house. We'll be able to monitor her. If she does right by us, well, we'll know we did the right thing. If she does wrong, then we'll hold her feet to the fire as well. But I think she'll do the right thing. And it is what it is, but he's had several other chances to do right, and he just fails to do right on many, many, many different issues. But let's hear his answer on this question now. This is J.D. Uh, I'm 100% pro-life, always have been, always will be, and will continue to do so. Except your record doesn't point to that. As mentioned, I have co-authored a resolution that... Um, would give all uh, pre-born babies the same rights as every individual. And that, is, that would be a constitutional amendment going back to the voters and put that in our state constitution if that uh, resolution were to pass. So it's, it's more than just a resolution. It's actually a constitutional amendment. And that resolution 
would end abortion if it was passed. That, that, that is a way to end abortion. It's a different strategy than others are taking, but it is a strategy to end abortion. See, you can hear right there, that's his little cop-out. He's saying, I know I'm not doing this the way that you guys think that I should be. And when that's the case, then we have to make sure that we don't re-elect him to go back down and keep doing things that go against what we want. Uh, I am also watching the Supreme Court case coming up here um, this summer we're expecting a ruling listen to that again listen how nervous he is you can hear it in how he like swallows or whatever he does here let's listen to that again coming up here um this summer we're expecting a ruling and we expect to be i'm very hopeful i'm praying that we are back in session and we are uh we are drafting legislation and passing legislation based on the Supreme Court throwing this, throwing the Roe versus Wade out and putting the power back in the state's hands. I believe life begins at conception, and I will always uh, stand and fight for our, our, the babies and the lives of the unborn. Brittany's going to get a chance to rebut all of that. Let's listen to what she's got to say. I do have a rebuttal for that. So I do have the House Joint Resolution Number 7 right up here. It's only just a little paragraph right here. Um, and in no way do I uh, perceive this or understand this to be protecting through abolishing abortions. Wow. I mean, if you're going to give a rebuttal, this is the way you do it. She brought the actual law that he was referencing and she's like hey it's right here i'm gonna read it to you she's getting ready to read it we'll hear it but this is an amazing way that she rebuts what he just said and she has it there in black and white for everyone that's in the audience to be able to see and to be able to hear what she reads from that essentially contradicts what he just got done saying and in in his case all he's doing is talking. In her case, she's actually providing hardcore factual information with evidence that we can see and or hear. It's ridiculous. Let's let her continue. It says, uh, all rights set forth in the Constitution and the Indiana Code apply to preborn child as soon as the preborn child's mother is aware she's pregnant. Thank you. Would you like to respond to that? Wow, 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 wow. I'm telling you, I loved being in the audience and watching this go down because she literally reads what contradicts what he just said because he was involved with all of that and it wasn't like what he was saying and she's got it there so like I said the people in the audience were actually able to go up afterwards or to, to get with her and look through the different uh, paperwork documents that she had and she had a lot with her that the audience could do that with and I'm telling you that is absolutely a fantastic way to own the debate and to say, look, I'm prepared, I'm here, and if he's not going to run on his record, I'm going to run on his record, or lack thereof, and I think that's absolutely fantastic. And then what you hear there at the end, and you can just barely hear, she sits down, says thank you or whatever, and you can hear the moderator say, JD, would you like to respond or whatever he says, and JD like makes a little noise that you really can't hear, but what he did was he was like shook his head and said, uh uh or no, so he doesn't want to use his chance that the moderator is giving him to then rebut her rebuttal, and JD's like, no, I'm good, which means 
like he had nowhere to go from that. And in a completely boss move, Brittany reached out and handed him over a copy of the law that she just read from. And you can just barely make out in the background. She says, do you need to see this? And JD very flippantly says, no, no, I don't need to see that. And it just makes him look not very good. And it was a killer move on Brittany's part. And again, it's just... It's these little details that show the difference between somebody who is prepared and ready to rock and roll on the facts and somebody who isn't prepared because JD doesn't care about this. JD thinks he has this in the bag. JD thinks that his mom and daddy's money can get him where he needs to be. And that's why we, the voters, need to teach him a real hard lesson here. Let's listen to that little exchange to see if you can hear it and hear it again. Listen real carefully and see if you can hear the back and forth between Brittany and JD. Thank you. Would you like to respond to that? Here it is. Wow, my God. All right, let's continue on with the next question. In this country and the state of Indiana, there is a major distrust in our media outlets. This causes a major problem for ordinary citizens to get facts. There is also a major distrust with our politicians. How are you going to make sure citizens of Jay County know what you, as our representative, are working on down at the State House? Well, one great thing about the General Assembly, it is very easy to follow. No, absolutely not. That is a lie straight out of his mouth, straight out of the gate. Absolutely not. It is not easy to follow what goes on with the Indiana General Assembly. And I am somebody that fully is aware of what they're doing. I've used the system for as long as I can remember, as long as they've had it in place. And it is difficult. It's difficult for me. It's difficult for me to find different bills. It's difficult for me to use the system that they have in order to watch the committee hearings and all of their actions on the floor. It is not easy. It is not something simple. And specifically, if you're somebody just getting into this, it is difficult as hell to figure out how to operate that. So I don't know what JD is talking about here. I don't know if he's actually ever tried to use the system, but he's lying right there. One great thing about the General Assembly, it is very easy to follow. If, if you want to uh, be involved and follow the discussion, follow the parts of the process, every committee hearing is live streamed and there's also archived video. We have archived video and live streaming of our House session as well, and the Senate does the same thing on their side of the building. Uh, so transparency is key. All, all of my vote, votes are, are on record. Um, you can go back and look at any any votes that have been that have, that have been cast for myself and other members of the general assembly but what about the people that don't have time to do that can't we just get a hold of you 
can't you just tell us the truth? We don't want to have to dig through a bunch of craziness to try to find what your record is. Wouldn't it be better if you held actual town halls that you actually gave notice of and you advertised for in a timely manner? Wouldn't it make sense that you tried to tell your constituents where you were going to be, when you would be talking about all of this stuff, and then when you held these town halls, you would actually cover the right information that you're doing instead of just trying to tell the people that you feel are your base or are the establishment folks what they want to hear? Wouldn't it be better if you were actually willing to communicate and be transparent yourself? self instead of how you actually are, J.D., wouldn't that be better? Aren't you correct that transparency is the key, but you've never actually figured out how to be transparent? Isn't that what you meant to say here? Uh, as well as I've been very transparent. I've... <laughs> Let's listen to what he says again. As I've been very transparent. I've JD wouldn't know what transparency was if it walked up and smacked him in the face with an actual lawsuit and said, pop, 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 pop. Here, JD, you've got to be transparent. He still wouldn't understand what it is because honestly, that's more or less happened, and he still is having an issue being open and honest about the communication and the transparency. JD is one of the least transparent folks. And I know, I know, he's getting ready to say, I've gave out my phone number, I've told the paper that constituents can call me. Nobody wants to do that, specifically if you've got a problem with somebody. What if you're an introvert and you don't want to call this person on the phone? Wouldn't you rather write them an email? Wouldn't you rather your elected official in 2022 be a part of the real world and have social media that you could reach out and reach them on and have them be able to communicate with you? When you call an elected official, or when you meet with an elected official one-on-one -on -one in some restaurant or out in the middle of a parking lot somewhere where they all like to do business at, apparently, what they say to you isn't on the record. What they tell you, if it's something that's way crazy and you then go and share with others, they can always say, wait a minute, wait a minute, I didn't say that. They can always change the story. They can always lie to you or say something way nuts. Specifically speaking, me, when I'm interacting with elected officials, I like to do so in writing so it's in black and white. So I would rather meet in a town hall or meet on the record in a council meeting or in chambers or someplace like that to where what's being said is actually in the record. And if you go back on, then we have the record of what you said at some other point. Or if you're not in an office or in a position that has council meetings or, or meetings where the public can interact like that on the record, then I want it to be in black and white writing so when you change your mind or do something different from what you're telling me, then I can say, wait, 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 what about this? Because, yes, I call a lot of elected officials on the phone, and I text a lot of elected officials.
But that's all kind of off the record or stuff that I don't really consider that to use in all of the public stuff. If I'm going after an official, if I'm talking to somebody or if I'm praising somebody or if I'm trying to get to the bottom of something, I like everything to be on the record and or in black and white. And JD continuing to use this, well, I give my cell phone out to people. Isn't that transparent? That's a joke because honestly, the only people that are going to call you are the people that are fans of yours that are going to tell you everything's great, we love what you're doing, and that's the reason you do that. You know people's not going to call. Or the people that are so pissed off, they're going to rant and rave and tell you this, and it doesn't matter, they don't care. The people like me that want to get to the bottom of something and keep interacting back and forth, I like there to be a chain of the communication. I like it to be in Messenger, in email, and it to be, you know, somewhat consistent, not like a a phone call here, a back alley meeting there. That's just, to me, that's not being transparent. And if that's his, his definition of being transparent, then I can see what the problem is here. He should be holding town hall meetings. He should be talking to the press. He should be talking to the newspaper, putting out op-eds. And that's something that I feel Brittany will do, but he has no clue about any of that because he hasn't had to because he doesn't care about talking to the constituents because the constituents don't matter. What matters is mommy and daddy's money and what and who it can buy. Let's let him go on here with this crazy story that he's weaving. Given my cell phone number out to any constituent, anyone that asks, I put it out in the paper done numerous times. I'm always willing to sit down and talk with people and have those discussions. Uh, we've had various town halls throughout the district, and I will continue to, to do those. <laughs> These town halls that I've controlled, I haven't wanted media to be there. I haven't wanted to live stream them. I don't want lots of people to know. And I look forward to uh, hearing from each and every one of my constituents. Thank you. The constituents are the last people that J.D. wants to hear from. J.D. does not look forward to hearing from constituents, from citizens, from people in the district. J.D. does not want to hear from you, especially me. He definitely doesn't want to hear from me. He definitely doesn't want to hear from people who have actual questions. If you've got donation money for JD, he wants to hear from you. If you want to tell JD he's doing a great job, he wants to hear from you. Short of that, he's not interested in what you've got to say. Let's hear what Brittany does with this question. As I visit with the community members of District 33, I found one common concern. They feel their voices are not being heard. When I am a representative, I will represent and listen to all community members in the district. I will not just give you the answers you want to hear, but I will be honest with you. There's an expression about listening. We have two ears and one mouth. We should listen twice as much as we're talking. Heyo! I have met with public servants, elected officials, and several have vented their frustrations to me. One even paused mid-sentence and said, I know you can't do anything about this, but it feels good to get it off my chest. So this was very disheartening as I meet with these community members. I want to meet with all members of the communities and not just those who agree with me. You learn when you're being challenged. I have also released my cell phone number for everybody. 
but I want to make sure that we have public town halls where everybody can come and discuss. When you are individually meeting with people one-on-one, -on -one, you can control the narrative and you are not held responsible or accountable for your statements. So as a teacher, as an educator, I have always wanted everything on the record. I want it on the record in email as we're having this recorded tonight. I want everybody to know where I stand. Dude, she killed that. I mean, she literally knocked that question out of the park. And the question of holding events, town hall meetings and all of that, that will come back around at the end here of the debate. So that will come back around. And she handles that again lovely when it does. We'll have to listen to that, listen for that at the end. But that's fantastic. And you'll you'll notice that JD doesn't rebut anything that she said. He was offered a chance and he just doesn't take it. So we're now moving on to the next question. Jay County is one of the top confined feeding counties in Indiana. We are also seeing in the last couple of years windmills and solar farms rolling into our county. What rights do landowners have? Elaborate on siting issues. And B, should big solar and wind companies get tax exemptions? Does this help our local communities at all? All this at two minutes? I'll try. Property rights are something the founding fathers uh, considered in including in the language of the Declaration of Independence. As a constitutional conservative, I do believe that you have rights to your property. As a fifth generation to live on my family's Hoosier homestead farm, I learned many life lessons, and one of those lessons my father always reiterated was to be a good neighbor. So as we are looking at putting up these solar projects, as these wind projects that are going through confined feeding operations, we need to remember to be good neighbors and to all come to an agreement. Many of this legislation does need to be handled at the local level, so that way um, the local communities that are living in that area can have a voice in that. I have noticed with the solar project in Delaware County that a lot of it was just a surprise to the citizens and not giving enough time or transparency to come in and discuss their concerns with those. So that goes along with the confined feeding operations. I am agriculture. Um, I do like to eat. In 2050, we are going to hit a plateau where we're going to have to figure out how to feed this ever-growing population. Uh, so we do need to look at ways that we are able to feed everybody also while being that good neighbor. Uh, you know, there's lots of ways she could have went with that question. There was just a whole lot there and a very short period of time to answer it in. So I feel like she did really a good job. There's lots of ways she could have went and we'll now hear what JD has to say. So when it comes to property rights and, and on really all of these issues that we talked about, it's really plain uh, and simple in a sense, but it, at the same time, I think the most complicated part of it is the fact is where does local control start and stop? Everybody says they're for local control, but where does local control start and stop? And to me, uh, it starts and stops with the property owner, not necessarily the local unit of government. Now, the local unit of government does have uh, their overall to play in this as well, but I want to make sure that I am advocating for the rights of the property owners first and foremost, but also keeping in mind that we need to make sure that our local units of government have, have their role to play as well. When it comes to the tax exemptions, that's, that's one area where I think it is uh, should be decided by the local unit of government uh, first and foremost. But 
we do, do need to make sure that uh, we look and evaluate whether these options make sense as a statewide policy and make sure that we're giving that, that control to the local units of government. So, so again, to me, this all simply comes down to on whether it be wind, solar, uh, confined feeding operations. Um, it, it's really all the same, same in the sense of we need to make sure that we are allowing our lo local property owners to decide what to invest on their property as long as it does not interfere with, with their neighbors and their other property uh, and infringe upon others' property rights. Okay, so for JD, that wasn't too bad of an answer, honestly, if you just listen to it how we just listened to it there. However, if you know JD and you know his record and how he has voted and what he's been engaged with in certain different laws and, and amendments and things down at the state house, then it kind of isn't as nice and wonderful as it seems. To me, when I hear that, I hear JD backhandedly talking about taking the law and the control and the rule away from local government. JD has been in a kick to take local control away from county commissioners, county council, city councils, city mayors, and he's wanted to give that control of deciding what happens at the county level with things like solar farms and wind farms and other major issues. He's wanted to take that away from the local control and give it specifically to the state government where he and his buddies can decide there in Indianapolis what happens in Delaware County, what happens all the way up by uh, South Bend or what's going on all the way down by Evansville. They have no business doing that. So JD's answer there sounds all right and we can even give that to him if you want to. But honestly, all I hear there is kind of a backhanded way to get into what he has really been all about since him and his buddies have been trying to take away the local rule. And this is something that has been being dealt with down at the state house in the last couple of years. Last year it was beat down, but I'm telling you, it keeps cropping back up and it's going to be something that we have to fight against. And I would much rather just get him out of there so he's one less person that we have to worry about because I know Brittany Clower is not going to be for any bit of that nonsense. Her answer was straightforward Let's keep local control and local rule with the locals. That's what they are elected to do. And that just makes sense. Now, you're going to hear this is the first question here where the moderator asked her if she wanted to rebut, and she was like, no, I'm cool. She gave a good answer to the question. JD gave an all right answer to the question if you don't know the issues with the local control. So it's questionable in my mind, but some people will listen to that and say, yeah, it was all right. So it was what it was. She didn't see a need or a reason to give a rebuttal, and 
now we're going to move into the last question of the debate. As someone in the healthcare field, I feel very strongly about healthcare rights. The last couple of years, we have seen shutdowns of our businesses and schools, a governor's emergency public mandate that lasted for almost two years, and even a mandate on our own personal medical freedoms, the right to make your own informed healthcare decisions. Do you agree with all or some of these measures? And B, how are you prepared to help protect our individual rights to their own health care decisions? I want to break in here just for one second and say that JD is up first on this question. And it was very odd while we were there. And it's definitely odd listening to it now. He's going to start this question, or, or he's going to start this answer in a way where it sounds like something's missing, like he was in the middle of saying something, and what you hear is like the next part of what he was saying. I don't know why it sounds like that. That's why I'm putting the link to the whole debate in the description so you know that something wasn't cut out of here. Uh, and it's a really good point for me to tell you that although I have cut in the debate and I have given my commentary and I've copied a couple places and played them again, I have made no actual edits to the actual debate. The questions are the questions as they were read and the answers given are the answers that were given. I have made no kinds of edits or changing of any kind of questions or answers around in any way and so you will have the complete and uncut or edited debate the link to the full video and audio debate is in the description of this episode so you can go and watch that and click that but i wanted to break in here and say this because we get the question that we just heard from the good doctor uh who's the moderator of this debate and the the way that jd goes about answering this was completely bizarre it was bizarre to me while i sat there and watched it the first time it's been bizarre to me when i've watched this a couple of other times and it was actually bizarre to me when i was listening to this he gives the answer and when you hear this it's going to sound like something's missing but i can promise you nothing's missing here's jd's bizarre answer. I also uh, support making sure that, especially when it comes to the COVID-19 vaccine, making sure that that is a individual um, personal responsibility, whether you want to have that vaccine as well. Uh, and when it comes to the government shutdowns based on the public health emergency, I authored uh, House Resolution 8, Concurrent Resolution 18 to terminate the state of emergency. That was the um, resolution that gained the most support within the General Assembly that we used to negotiate the end of the mass mandates and the business restrictions with uh, during the pandemic and uh, there was there was other resolutions as well as co-author on one of the other resolutions as well so there was multiple avenues to do so uh, there was a bill that we just passed out House Bill 1001 it, is, it wasn't a perfect bill but I did support the bill um, to give more rights to to the employees versus the employers. Uh, so it's, it's just that balance that we need to be careful that we're not taking away um, 
taking away too much uh, ability for the individual employer, but at the same time, we need to make sure that we are respecting those rights of the employees when it comes to their medical choices. All right, so this was a very J.D. answer. He talks about parts of his record that are questionable, and Brittany does a really good job of taking those apart. Uh, in my opinion, again here, he seemed very nervous. He's having a hard time getting words out. He's kind of swallowing weird. He's got really bad dry mouth. You can tell it in the video. I, I don't know if you can hear it, but when you hear it along with witnessing how he's behaving on the video, you can definitely see that he's got cotton mouth really bad. So this is just a person who is not prepared and who is nervous at this point because he's just went through this beating that was this debate. So uh, I, I don't know. There's not a whole lot more to say about that answer. It was a very JD answer. Let's listen to how Brittany does with this question. This topic has been very personal to my family and to my friends. So we are seeing a lot of issues with this bill. So the first thing with House Bill 1001 that it does is it gives power to an unelected official. So we are actually creating a state Dr. Fauci. So at least as we're running, um, having our governor in charge of the governor's workforce, or excuse me, the governor's, um, the state of emergency, um, it's at least somebody that we elected in instead of somebody they appointed. Because you know what happens when they don't agree with that person? The governor's gonna fire that person and get somebody who will agree with them in there. And if powers change at the state level, it's going to get even worse for us. I love, love, love what she points out there because what they're talking about in giving just this one person this power, like she mentions on the national level, Dr. Fauci, we sure as hell don't need a state level Dr. Fauci. Uh, no state needs that. We don't need Dr. Fauci on the national level, honestly. But what she's talking about is very important because like Dr. Fauci, he is not accountable to the people. We can't get rid of him. What we can do is get rid of the president that could get rid of him. But we do that and, you know, maybe that'll happen. Maybe it won't. Well, similar to the state level. If we have a governor that appoints a state level Dr. Fauci character and this doctor is doing things differently than what we want... Well, you know, we're kind of screwed. We've got to get rid of the governor to get rid of that person. And we've already got Dr. Christina Box that's acting crazy enough at times that we don't need someone else that could be just as crazy or worse and isn't actually accountable to the people. We want to have control over the people that have so much control over us, and we need to understand that. So she did very good here in dismantling what J.D. had said because the bill that he was a part of, that 1001, was a nightmare. It did not do anything for freedom and liberty-minded individuals. I don't know what kind of crap JD is selling. Let's hear the rest of her answer. So with this one, um, to help make that bill a little stronger, I would have put together a committee of legislators. If you're running for office, you want to serve. We should have had a committee of legislators come together and help make these decisions with our governor and not create a state-level 
Dr. Fauci. Oh, man, that's really good. What she's doing is when she's taking apart his bill that he mentioned, she then goes ahead to say, this is how I would do it better, which is great because, you know, as voters, we don't just want to hear what you don't like about your opponent. Let us know how you could do it better. And here, that's exactly what she's doing. That's great. So with this bill, it's also created a ton of loopholes. So it says that an employer cannot fire an employee for not taking the the vaccine, but what they can actually do is put them on administrative leave without pay. So they are technically not firing them, but they are sitting in limbo. So I've talked to a lot of people and actually multiple people have have broken down in tears uh, talking about the subject because they have to, they have to either fill out a medical event, a medical form saying that they they can't take it because of medical reasons or religious exemption. Some of these are 12 pages long and they are are just so many questions. And then the employer has the right to say, if your religious religious exemption is not sincerely held, they can deny it. So it's not really really protecting our employees. It's, It's Well, you guys have all seen the news. It's pretty rough. And just one last time, J.D. could have given some kind of last rebuttal, but he chose not to. So now they move into their closing statements, and J.D. is up first. Thank you all for coming out here tonight. Thank you, Oakland, for putting this together. Uh, I'm really just going to continue to serving uh, to the best of my ability, representing our Christian conservative values as a whole. I look forward to um, engaging and talking with each and every constituent. Uh, we have had plenty of town halls throughout the throughout the district. I will continue to have those um, in each and every county. I've got some new counties to uh, add to that schedule. Um, and I would look forward to uh, coming out of the Jay County Freedom Coalition next next uh, session. If you'd like to host a town hall here, I'd love to do one here. You'd uh, like to host it. The way those work is different organizations put on the events. So mm. I'm, I'm always welcome to show up, have a conversation, talk <laughs> with voters, and, and talk with constituents and represent uh, our Christian conservative values as a whole and make sure that we are protecting our children uh, within our school corporations, providing the best education possible, and I will continue to advocate uh, for all of the key areas of infrastructure, making sure that we invest in investing your taxpayer dollars uh, in, into um, making sure that we are building up a, a great state, continuing with balanced budgets, and uh, being responsible with your tax dollars. I would appreciate your support and look forward to your vote this May. Thank you. Thank you. For 12 years, I stood behind a line of blue corduroy jackets as the FFA advisor, and I was pushing and motivating my students and convincing convincing them to serve their community. So it's now my time to go ahead and step up. So when I was originally asked to run, I said, no way, Um, didn't want to do it. I actually... I just wanted to help support from behind the scenes and provide that information that I um, am an expert in. When I realized that my representative was not going to listen to our concerns and actually didn't respond to any of my emails until I put my name on the ballot against his, um, I realized that I was going to have to run again this time because things just did not change in the last two years. 
So it's my chance to lead by example here, and that's why I've decided to run again. Um, I will not need an organization to put on an event for me to come and speak at. I actually used to have some of the largest events in Jay County. If you ever attended the FFA banquet, it is coming up soon, so please stop by. Boom! I love, 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 love that she did that because whatever JD said in his closing that he's welcome to stop by any event that you host and put on, you do it and do all the work and then let me know. No, 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 no. That's not how it goes. You're the elected official. You have the information that you need to convey to us. You need to be going through the motions of setting up town halls that you will allow the media to come to, you will allow the public to come to, that you will put adverts in newspapers, you will post it on your social media, you'll have all the staff and interns letting folks know so that people can attend this. And then you reach out to organizations and other events and find out who's having what so you can appear at, so that you can let your citizens know what you're doing for them down at the state house, it shouldn't be on us to be informed by by you with you having to be begged to come to our event. This shouldn't be something that it's on us to always figure out the way. Have you noticed that's a theme in JD's responses? You need to do this. You need to do this. No, sir. You work for us. You get paid taxpayer dollars. You want our vote to help send you back down there to work for us. This is on you. You need to do this. And that's what Brittany's saying. Brittany's saying, look, I don't need to have you do all the work for me to come keep you informed of what I'm doing. I can put this stuff together. Give me a chance, and I will keep you informed. And I love that. Let's let her go on. Um, so I can host those organizations. Uh, I can host those events um, as well as be at those events. So through this grand adventure, I realize how blessed I am. I'm beyond thankful for the outpouring support and well wishes for our campaign. I'm here today to ask you for your vote for the Indiana House of Representatives seat District 33 in the May 3rd, 2022 Republican primary. Thank you. All right, folks, that's it. That's the debate. And I tell you, it's, in my opinion, an absolute great example, an absolute great example of how a candidate should run a debate and a perfect example of how a candidate should not run a debate. Like I said, the folks that were in attendance that evening were saying that Brittany seemed like she was polite, she was funny, she was prepared, they liked that she had all of this documentation with her, and that she was using bills and calling them out by their numbers, and it seemed like she knew his record better than he did. He, on the other hand, came with him and his hands in his pocket and his suit and he sat down and he seemed like he needed a glass of water and like he wanted to be any place except there and he just really it just seemed like all he wanted to do was get to the end of it so they could leave and when you're dealing with a candidate like that man i tell you i 
I, the only thing I can think of is let me help you out. I will send you back to the private sector so you don't have to worry about this anymore. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope that you've got something out of this. I hope that you use this, whether you live in the district. If you live in the district, man, I, I don't know how you would have any further question about what you're doing. If you live in the district and you're voting, you need to cast your vote for Brittany Cloer. If you live in the district and you're not voting, I would like to ask why. Maybe get a hold of me and let me know. If you're still supportive of J.D. Prescott, get a hold of me and let me know why. Let me know what Brittany could do to maybe change your mind, to earn your vote, not in a sleazy way where she's just going to promise you something, but if there's something that you and her could talk about that you could maybe get over that hump and get to the other side where you could support her, then we would like to do that because Brittany is an honest candidate that really wants to communicate with as many people as possible. If you're not in the district, this is a great way to, to listen to things that you like. And if you have candidates that are acting like Brittany and that you think are passionate like Brittany is, you really need to grab onto them and support them and vote for them and help get them in office. On the other hand, if you have candidates that act like JD, you might really consider uh, supporting somebody else and figuring out what you can do to get those people out of office. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we've been going at it for a while. I want to thank you for paying attention and listening to this. It was a great time. It was a great debate. I enjoyed listening to it each and every time I hear it. I get a little bit more pumped up. Brittany's doing fantastic. You guys are absolutely fantastic. I want to ask that you share the show, help get this word out there, whether it's to folks in the district or folks outside of the district. Everybody needs to hear the lessons that they can get out of this. I think it's very important for voters and candidates alike. So please share, 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 share the show with everyone you know. Of course, remind folks we can be found literally everywhere as well as at the home link, perception.fireside.fm. And also don't forget to check me out live, live at 935 on Facebook, Christopher H. Bilbury on Facebook or facebook.com forward slash Bilbury. 318. Until next time, you guys take care of yourselves. God bless. Stay safe, stay tuned, and stay true. I'll look forward to talking to you all again real soon. You've been listening to Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey. Bilbrey. Tune in, like, and subscribe at perception.fireside.fm. Hook up on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Bilbrey318 and on Twitter at PISRBilbrey. Email khbilbrey at gmail.com or get off your butt and call the show at 765-546-9796. Till next time, remember, perception, perception is, is reality. Reality. This has been Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey, where we aim for better government through citizen involvement.